This is Gary Butterfield for episode 30 of the Dead Idea of Ahala podcast. It's a variety podcast. It's the only podcast that earns you college credit on the subject of me. I've been thinking about that a little bit, uh, the, uh, the appeal of the podcast. I know some people like it. But what a ridiculous, kind of egotistical thing it is. And it's really about me and, you know, my opinions. And there's all, I put all kinds of my own music in it. Little sketchlets and skit bits and scoat boats and scrim moms and rowboats and scribblooms and skin scons and scrim scrams, scrimshaw and and uh, yeah. So I guess what I'm really getting around to saying is uh, thanks for listening. It's it's really flattering that there are people who listen to the show who are that interested in what I'm doing. Just a tiny little bit of house cleaning. We just came back from our break. There should not be another break for a little bit. Next week, the episode will be late, slightly, but I'm going to record it in advance. I'm going to PAX, the Penny Arcade Expo. It's a video game exposition. It's in Seattle, Washington, home of the Post-Intelligencer, and one of my favorite names for a newspaper ever. And uh, yeah, I'm going to have a lot of fun. I'm going with some friends. I'm going to uh, see some new games and play some games. Stand in line a lot. Sleep in a hotel with like eight guys. It's just going to be a fart party. When you go into the hotel room, it's going to be like walking into a beer fart. Except it's going to be much more like an energy drink fart. You know, the cartoons from Red Bull all decide to fart into a jar and then empty that jar into a hotel room. That is exactly what it's going to smell like. That's okay. So, let's travel back in time a little bit to 2003-2004. I had recently been unemployed. I lost a job dispatching for for tow trucks for this truly horrendous motor club. And that job I worked, uh, initially worked overnight, and that was great. I brought in, this is the kind of work environment it was. I took my earnings from this, and I was making $1,000 a month, and that was the shit. That was so much money to me, because my rent was like, $250 a month and I had no other expenses. So I had $750 a month and just total fucking fun money. No problem. I took this, I bought a tiny black and white TV from Walmart and started bringing my PlayStation into work. Uh, That's where I beat Final Fantasy IX. And uh, it was that kind of job. You know, we had Nintendo emulators on all the computers. I worked with my friend Derek, who recently came up to visit me. And it was great. I, I quit that job, ended up coming back during the day which was way worse. I would have to be there when management was there. You could not play Nintendo. You couldn't do anything except for a dispatch for their stupid motor club, which was terrible. Uh, it was, you, none of the vendors, none of the tow truck companies trusted it. They wouldn't get paid, so they'd yell at you and swear at you. You know, every once in a while, someone would call and say they're in like a bad neighborhood in LA and they're afraid they're going to get raped or stabbed, and you'd call like 10 tow truck companies who all told you to fuck off, and then you'd have to call the person back and, you know, tell them to apply a generous dollop of lube to their asshole, so, you know, at least it, I, you know, I don't know, but the, <laughs> the uh, it, it was terrible. Um, the So that part was, at least was a service, though. The other part of it was this credit card company I can't remember the name of. The idea was that if you lost your wallet, 
instead of having to call all the numbers of your credit cards, you could call one number and we would cancel your cards for you. Think about that for just a minute. This is a, a service that saves you five phone calls at best. And it was shady as shit. You know, not only was the service dumb, the way they signed people up with it was with one of those negative response things where we would send you a, a card that said, hey, we've given you this free trial. We're the heroes here. Uh, if you don't want the free trial, send the card back. We're going to assume you do, though. And uh, we're going to keep, we're going to bill you after this first month. But just don't, you don't have to do anything. Just chill out, watch Mad Max. It's an American movie classic. And, and we'll just charge you and make money from this. It's terrible. People call and complain about that. They freak out. Every once in a while, you get an old person who called because they really lost their wallet. I think maybe they thought that they had to have their cards canceled through the service. So I, I, you know, proudly throughout the entire thing, maybe saved people the, the act of 20 phone calls or so. Where's my parade? Shit. It also, there was a service that you could sign up for where you could get discounts at restaurants. And the name of it was Dining a la Carte, which kind of sounds like Dining a la Carte, which means just getting one item. Uh, I always thought it would be funny if someone tried to use that because it's such a stupid fucking pun, you know, wearing a, you know, it's a, it's a dumb, retarded, lowbrow idea wearing the clothing of a highbrow idea. And just, I imagine someone coming up and, do your bill, sir. And just, oh, <laughs> today I'll be dining a la carte. And then you, you kind of hold the card between your, your pointer and your middle finger. Pointer finger, does that make me sound stupid? Index finger, I guess. It's the, it's the finger you use for indexing things. It's like how there's index cards, there's index fingers. So I worked at that terrible place, lost that job, was unemployed for a while, collected unemployment, which was sweet as shit. I was making half as much money as I made at that job, which meant I was making $500 a month and living off of that, living off of it. It boggles my mind now when I think about it. And the process for collecting unemployment, I always thought it would be like History of the World, where Mel Brooks goes up to the ancient Greek or ancient Roman unemployment officer and she's like, did you bullshit today? He's like, no. No, did you try to bullshit? Yes. And that's what it was. Instead, you called a number and it was just, press four if you have looked for a job. Press five if you did not look for a job. There's no oversight or anything. Uh, it's hilarious. And uh, the application for getting on unemployment was like three lines long. It was way easier than actually getting employment. There was no, uh, no true or false. I find it maddening when the courts let guilty people off free. True or false, I would steal bread to go back in time and kill Hitler. Or what, you know, all the, those questions that, that insult all of us. That we all agree to have our, our collective intelligence insulted by. So I got ended up working for NIU, the university in my old town, for a long time. Had a job that, you know, was pretty, pretty bland, but really good. And applied for a job, though, at the campus police department. Now, as I said before, this podcast is so about me. You know, you get college credit in, in, in me just for listening to this. So it should surprise you a little bit that I was working at a police department. You know, I'm not one of those, like, fuck the police type guys. You know, I don't have any real problems with cops. I'm a almost totally law-abiding citizen. You know, I, I have no problem with them. I feel like they're pretty much working class folk. They kind of have a bad rap. 
The ones of Portland have this weird tendency to shoot people in the face and tase homeless people, which I can't really get behind. You know, and I, I, if you think about that, I think it makes a kind of sense. You know, this is such a liberal, hippy-dippy town with impromptu drum circles and incense salesmen and, and patchouli balls and stuff that, you know, if you grow up in this town and you've had to deal with this your whole life and you hate it, you're just the kind of person who's not going to go along with that, I could see you wanting to tase some hippies after that. But I, I applied for this job as a dispatcher at the local college because it paid a lot of money. And I interviewed for it. And I told them, you know, one of the reasons why I wanted to do it was life experience, you know, because I was working on a book. And that, you know, I wanted to help people, which was, you know, more or less almost true. And uh, surprise, surprise, got the job. It was a panel interview with six uniformed armed police officers and a video camera. And the conference room was terrifying. Got the job, though. Got paid a lot of money. And it was absurd. There were a lot of absurd things about it. Uh, they, you know, they couldn't get a uniform for me. In, and I, I say in my size. It's not because they had to fucking get a E3 fail tarp police uniform. You know, they didn't have to get like a novelty police uniform from Police Academy 6. You know, whatever one had the fat boys in it. It was just because they didn't have any regular extra large or large uniforms. So initially I just wore slacks and pants. It's fine, I always wear slacks and pants. Slacks and pants. <laughs> slacks and pants. I wear... I cut a hole in the crotch of jeans and wear them as a shirt. Uh, no, I meant slacks and like a polo shirt. Eventually they got me a uniform though, and uh, surprise, the uniforms are just police uniforms. They're the exact same thing as the campus police uniforms. So if I was on break or walking to work, I looked like a uniform cop. Now, you should be able to understand, you know, why that's a terrible, terrible idea. If somebody is getting robbed, if I go into a convenience store to grab a Mountain Dew Code Orange and uh, somebody, you know, is getting robbed or has a heart attack, they're going to expect me to do something. Uh, you know, I, I could dispatch somebody to do something if I had a radio. Uh, it was, that was dumb. When I actually got the uniform, then this, this literally happens, this sounds fake. I put it on and one of the cops saw me for the first time and I was leaving and he goes, hey. And I, I turn around and he goes, you look good in blue, brother. And I, you know, I, I, wanted, to, <laughs> I wanted to laugh like crazy. But of course, uh, I didn't want to make him feel bad. So I just kind of nodded. So, you know, I started, started working there and actually got into it. And it was a pretty alienating, terrible experience. Like, There's definitely a couple times where I cried in the bathroom. You know, I, I definitely felt it was a bad time in my life, and it was not for me. Uh, there were some some kind of good things about it. You know, there were definitely some sex assaults that I had some kind of part in getting broken up. You know, people don't generally call the police when they're about to get date raped by some axe-soaked college student. Uh, but afterwards, so I made sure that uh, you know that the the guy got kicked out of the dorm. Um, which is pretty much all they could do. And there were a couple of funny things. Like there was a guy who worked there before me. Like I never actually worked with him. He was kind of a legend. Whose name was Cannon, which is awesome. So he's Officer Cannon. They called him Loose Cannon. That's awesome. He engraved a peace symbol on his gun. It just doesn't, it doesn't seem like that, that was the kind of culture there. But everyone told stories about this guy, which was, you know, pretty interesting. I worked overnight. You know, this was the, during the, the time when you work overnight in your early 20s. So I could kind of, you know, chill out. I went on the internet a lot. I eventually started bringing in a laptop. And I played through Fallout 2 again. 
and we'd watch DVDs. I watched some of the worst movies I've ever seen because I had a partner who was this very nice lady named Cindy who was very like Midwestern fat lady nice. And she would she would try to sell me on movies. She'd say things like, you've seen The Lion King, right? And I'd say, yeah. And she'd say, you have to see Lion King too. You know the part in Lion King where they all bow down to Simba? Well, in Lion King 2, they reveal the reason why they all bow down to Simba is because Timon farted. Or Pumbaa farted, I can't remember which it is. And they're all so bowled over by the odor that they all pretend to bow down. And I'm like, fuck yeah, bring it in. You know, I'm at work. Like, I'll, I'll watch this stupid movie. And I also didn't want to say, no, that sounds retarded. That sounds like the dumbest thing ever, this thing that you love and are trying to sell to me. So, uh, yeah, I watched that movie. I ended up watching, I had a, a buddy there who was like a nerd. This awesome guy named Nathan. And uh, it's like Nathan, but with a D. He was a black dude, so they can do that. And, uh, he, you know, I watched the third Matrix movie and Underworld. Underworld is stupid. I um, watched tons of bad movies, which was fun. Um, but there was, a, eventually it became very evident that I was out of step with him. One of the earliest hints was I got switched to a, a new knight. And there was a new sergeant on. And, uh, they, you know, they, they did like a huddle up in the, uh, the meeting. They were like, okay, what are we going to commit to tonight? And everyone would say something. And they took it real seriously. Like, they, we'd all huddling up and someone would be like, justice. And then somebody would be like, safety. And somebody would be like, you know, vengeance. No, that's not true. But everyone was very serious about it. And they're like, you know, T.C. Butterfield, which is telecommunicator. T.C. Butterfield, what do you want to do it for? And I, you know, what I wanted to say was like, respect of people, you know, property rights. Um you know, human human dignity. Those are the things that I cared about, but uh, I was so intimidated and scared I didn't say anything. So eventually one of my, my buddy cops there, you know, we were gonna be, we were gonna get cookies for some reason, like somebody brought us cookies. And she's like, say cookies. And I'm like, cookies. And then like the sergeant gave me this withering <laughs> look, like just the most disappointed, you know, I am scraping you off of my shoe, TC Butterfield. You disgust me in every way that a man can. Look, and it's just, you know, I was out of step with them. And eventually, like, some of the other uh, telecommunicators had really bad attitudes. Like, I'm I'm very deferential to my superiors, or at least I definitely was in my early 20s. You know, I didn't have a lot of confidence, and I was constantly intimidated by all of the giant thugs with guns around me that I had to get naked around in the locker room every day. And uh, I also had this weird feeling like this is more of an adult job than I am. You know, right now, because I, I was the one, you know, I was the youngest person there. So uh, some of the other telecommunicators had bad attitudes, and they would criticize the administration and and stuff. And I usually just kind of took that with a grain of salt. So one day, one of my supervisors, like a guy I didn't usually work with, drags me into a conference room—not drag, but has me go into a conference room and says, "You know, close the door behind you." I do so, and he kind of half threatens me to tell him what the other telecommunicators are saying. And he brings up this like error that I had made, like this weird, you know, I I told uh, the security guards who were out about something before I told the officers, some weird protocol error. And he threatened me, you know, he's like, I can make that go away if you tell me. And I, man, you know, that is fucking dumb and, you know, too much like a movie. And, uh, you know, I, I didn't do it, and he didn't do anything about it, but so I knew I had to get out of there. So I ended up taking this huge pay cut, and uh, you know, almost every job I've had since then, I've had I've taken less money than the job before, 
where's my parade? And of course, I, I shouldn't get a parade for that. I'm not trying to brag about my integrity. Uh, you know, that's you know a mixed bag at best. It's kind of stupid. But uh, that was just a weird experience. It's a, when I think back on it, it's surreal that I did that for a year and a half. You know, I was responsible for 911 alarms. If someone has a gun, call Gary. Gary Butterfield for Dead Idea Valhalla Music, the company that brought you the original cast recordings of Hobotown the Musical, U3 Under a Rumbum Sky, music inspired by Little Philly Collins and the Gentones, Jacket? No way, fuck you. And also, Gator Boy and the Madman's Secret Box. I come now to offer you one of music's greatest values, Macy Gray's Greatest Hits. You get songs like, I Walk Away and I Strumbo.
I've gone feral in my love, and also my eating habits. Scurvy curves. Gumrotten USA. Fleas. Fleas on me is a taste of snack, a family treat. Fleas on my sister and me, insect pastries, a snack that's neat. My sister, don't you know? Break pad toothbrush. I can pass every part of a dog, septicala, honey. I can pass it all through my digestive tract. I evolved to eat the canine snack. I squat and produce gray pellets and holla hey. But I Going down, don't feel good coming out. Nah, I tell you, honey. Hey. Great, I got another gladiator fight with my sisters for my birthday. Shiny objects. Potato sack prom dress. I don't want to eat a junkyard dog, but I will, honey. I woke up on the traps. I harvest. Uh, hey. I hold this truth to my chest. Dog eating is best. My breast will stand by my man. Batteries. No, the rain, but I, your dog 
Santa don't visit my box. I can digest anything, parentheses. It's evolution, baby, end parentheses. heart is a whistle only I can hear. And finally, who could forget Fang Crunchies, the love theme from The Hills Have Thighs, an unforgettable duet between Macy Gray and her sister Basie. And if you act now, in addition to Macy Gray's greatest hits, we'll throw in Macy Gray's greatest tits. You'll get all of them. From the left one, to the right one, all Macy Gray's greatest tit action for you at home. How much would you pay to have all these songs? What if I were to tell you that you already have them, because they're free and they're in a podcast that you already downloaded? We all know the freest, most easy-to-get things are the things you already have. So enjoy your original soundtrack that you're listening to now. You've downloaded it already. You don't have to do anything else. Just go home, go to sleep, listen to the songs, listen to the podcast. I don't know what else to tell you. What do you want? What do you want? What do any of us want? Every night I lay down 
world of the Dead Idea Valhalla podcast. If you like the podcast, please tell your friends about it. Join it on Facebook, follow it on Twitter, send me an email. Um, go to your local library, read a book. You don't actually need to drink eight glasses of water a day, that's a myth. Just drink water when you're thirsty, listen to the podcast when you want to, but tell people about it always if you like it. I really appreciate it. Go to www.deadideabahala.com. Thank you. From the bottom of my heart and the top of my heart.